Welcome to HivriaCast, the podcast where I, Alad Nehrai, speak with some fascinating and incredible creative Jews. Hello, welcome. This is episode 20 of HivriaCast. Wow, which is, I, I can't believe it's been 20 episodes. Uh, I'm so excited we have Yisrael Arya, an old friend of mine and also an incredible musician. Uh, Yisrael Arya, it's so good to have you. It's great to be here. Um, so I'll, I should say the full name, Israel Arya Goodblatt, um, and you're part of the Brooklyn Jazz Warriors. Yeah. Right. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about, about that, about you or, uh, wherever well, you want to, wherever you want to start. Well, what do you, what, tell you us, most, what do you most want to know? I want to know, well, let's hear about Brooklyn Jazz Warriors. What's their deal? Okay. So, um, Brooklyn Jazz Warriors is my project that is kind of the uh, crucible for the music that I come up with. Um, And it's a band that has a a rotating cast. Mm -hmm. And I... um, So it's jazz in the sense of uh, primarily what I hope to... the pool of musicians that I draw from. The music's not not exclusively or mainly jazz, uh, though it's influenced by jazz, but it's... uh, most of the, inst- the mu- in, uh, musicians who are involved have some kind of jazz skills. Thanks, man. So um, it's whatever music we come up with. I mean, I, I compose songs, so I have songs that I can, um, that stand on their own, I would hope, as songs. But mm-hmm. with the Brooklyn Jazz Warriors, it's really the, the format for taking those songs and, and putting them into a context where really good musicians can, can kind of make them fly. Um, that's the idea. So we're, I, yeah. I don't understand <laughs> music improvisation. Okay. I don't get it. How does that, how do you, how do you, how do you get into a place where you can do that? Cause that's, I imagine that's a big part of what you guys do, at least from, yeah. from yeah, watching you guys play. That's a huge part. I mean, that, that's yeah. one of the main elements of jazz influence. Um, and in certain cir- circumstances, it's all improvisation. I mean, I, I like mm. the idea. On one extreme, mm-hmm. you have very structured music, where every, let's say, orchestral music, the way it's played now, or other kinds of composed through composed music, where every, or even even some a lot of pop music, rock music, where every note is pretty much arranged, and the performance is that. That's kind of what it is, and and, and there's a beauty to that, and there's a a certain skill to that, and there's a certain power to that. And on the other extreme, you have music that's completely improvised. Mm-hmm. So f- free jazz of the late 50s, early 60s was an example of that, but it's not the only example of that. But there was a whole improvisation scene that grew out of that, and it still exists today. I mean, it, there, you know, it's one of the strange... I don't know if you've ever been to a concert or an experience of completely free music, completely improvised music. It's a good question. I mean, I do, probably the closest I ever got was... Going to an Almond band, uh, Almond Brothers okay. uh, concert. I don't know, but I don't. That definitely wasn't. No, well, it's just, yeah, man. That was, they were a great moment, band. Yeah, but there were definitely moments of like, com- like total improvisation. It I feels think. like you've you've left yeah. your your body. And also, or something. The, I guess the Dead. I went to see the Dead, but again, I don't think it was all like. So in those bands, I think there might be elements of of right. complete improvisation, but probably a very right. small fraction of what they do. Right, right. Is that most of it's a structured. Right. Let's say between so between those two extremes, 
you have um, mm-hmm. music that's structured, music that's completely unstructured. Mm-hmm. Then you have somewhere in between. So improvised music usually falls somewhere in between. Let's say you have a structure. You know what I have seen? Yeah. Brooklyn Jazz Warriors. Okay. There you go. <laughs> so you've seen. So I just realized. Okay. So we, we, as you have a structured set of chords, let's say, uh-huh. which is a lot of what we do, a lot of jazz improvisation, uh-huh. traditional jazz improvisation, is a structured set of chords. Let's say you take a, um, a jazz, uh, you know, standard. Let's say an old like crooner standard, like let's say autumn leaves or something. Mm-hmm. And those that, that those chords are are pretty, or a blues, you know, progression. And that those chords either write it. There's a set melody, maybe sometimes, and then and then the the chords are just uh, they they stick to the rhythm, and then the musicians kind of come up with whatever they come mm-hmm. up with on top of it. They kind of make up something that that fits within that structure. Mm-hmm. So that's that's probably the most the most common type of improvisation. I mean, classical music has a um, a long tradition of improvisation also before it kind of became. Um, so why why does that very, why does that music speak to you personally? Why do you like doing Well, I mean, what does music, why does improvisational music speak to me? I mean, all, all, yeah. I mean the kind music, of music speaks to me. Yeah, well, the music you're doing with Brooklyn Jazz Wars, why does that speak to you? So, I, I mean, that there is a freedom to, I mean, the, the, it's yeah. that combination of freedom and structure. Uh-huh. So that's kind of, so that, that that's a very jazz thing to, to have, but it's, you know, it exists, I mean, in jazz influence rock, which is like the Grateful Dead, right. Almond Brothers, um, Right. I mean, a lot of blues music is uh, very improvisatory in, in a, um, a more a more uh, specific way. But uh, man, I, you know, I, I've I um, if you ever, if as I was saying, if you ever been to a, a concert of completely so, right. so, I don't know if there's moments. I guess last time we played when you were there at the um, after party event. So there yeah. was we there we had we had like a couple of moments where things just got kind of wacky. Yeah, meaning when I say wacky, I mean like kind of no no rules, no. Right. And if everyone's in a good mood, you know, when the band's in a good mood, you know, right. Especially, um, well, it doesn't really matter the mood. I mean, it, <laughs> if you're in the zone or whatever, it, it, yeah. it um, then something kind of takes over. I mean, that I'd I'd describe an experience. That I you know sometimes you go to a, a concert of music that's completely improvised, mm-hmm. and it can almost ha- it has a lot of the the. Um, experience of let's say someone who goes to a modern art museum mm-hmm. and is seeing like a Jackson Pollock or some kind of completely seemingly childlike mm. um art mm-hmm. you know and and, and the like the, the kind of crisis of like what what is this I could do this mm-hmm. my my kid could do this you know or or um so there's you like know, a, a playful quality to it right but I mean, when there there can be a question like you know what where is the skill and you know there there is that question can be raised and, it, and often in a completely a completely improvised mm. concert um is can be a very challenging experience because there's very little some often very little to um grab onto i'm talking about like free like the kind of a classic free jazz i mean nowadays there are a lot of bands who are who are improvising and their improv- improvisations take the form of something that you can grab onto like a, a, usually a steady groove, mm-hmm. and usually in some kind of key, you know, and that, and that and so it's completely improvised. But essentially, they decide on on the rhythm, and they just kind of go with it, and then they add whatever they feel like in the moment, um, and that's kind of you know. So there's so many, I mean, so many different ways to approach the music, but but I, I think that there's an element if you want. I mean, it seems to be what you're asking when it comes down to it, is that a musician or any person can be a channel for something higher 
and music is 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 the best one one of the or the best for me that's the best it's one of the best ways for someone to to mm. kind of lose themselves mm-hmm. and enter kind of a higher experience where they're they're not really where they're not really getting involved um, in an ego way. They're just kind of getting out of the way. And something is happening. Something's, you know, flowing through, you mm-hmm. know. That, um, and so I th- it, it, that can happen even in structured music. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's, in some ways it's more challenging in structured music. Like, play, you know, I I'm, sometimes go through stages where I get obsessed with Bach, you know, mm-hmm. playing those. Um, and it's, you know, note for note. There's not, you know, there's not really much to... Right. I mean, you can add a lot of your own feeling and your own interpretation, but essentially that's what it is, very structured. So getting out of the way and letting the music flow, I find a lot more more challenging right. than if I just, if I pick up a guitar or I sit at the piano or I sit at the drums and I could just pick up, you know, um, just hit something mm-hmm. and hear a tone. And then that tone leads to something else. Right. You know, I don't have to think it, it's like, I don't have to over, I mean, I, one of the reasons I can tend to be, at least historically in my life, like overthink things. Like I know a lot of people, a lot of good Jews also <laughs> can overthink think things. And and there's a certain freedom to just getting out of that mental clutter. Mm-hmm. And so there are a number of things that can do that. I, mean, I think there's a number of some things more nurturing than others. And I think music is one of the one of my most nurturing ways to get out of that and just out of the head clutter and into just something that's uh that's beyond myself. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's so interesting. I mean, I think music is this fascinating world where create like just as a writer, it, like I, you know, I spoke about this with Dahlia, and you heard it, but like that, I it almost confuses me because I feel like I can't like I can't grab on to what it is, you know. Um, and as a writer, it's like I'm used to being able to, like, there is always, like, some left-brain activity going on when you're a writer, you know? Um, and music seems to be almost, like, total, like, the ideal right-brain activity, where it's, like, just you're, there is n- nothing in which, that you, you, you can be completely abstract, you know? It's, like, right. it's an abstract form of art, I think. I mean, I think writing, like, writing can come close to maybe some kind of free-form poetry or something, but even right. that... It has language that that's evoking something. I mean, obviously, music you know has the the lyrical element can have right. It, it can have that, yeah. But, but if we're just talking about just the the musical aspect of it. Least, well, I think I mean I think the yeah. idea of of being disoriented, like mm-hmm. that, what you're describing is like the idea of you hear something, right? That I mean, if you, I mean, I think some things are much more familiar. I mean, I I don't think all music is you know makes a person feel disoriented. I mean, it depends mm-hmm. on your experience, but. Mm-hmm. I like to look at, you know, I especially look at my, my one and two year old and the way they experience music is really, that's kind of my model for how mm-hmm. music, at least in the primal way, can and should be experienced. I mean, it's, it's like, it's exciting, it's new, hmm. it's joyful, you know, sometimes it's uh, challenging. Right. Um, you know, there's certain things I'll put on that are, you know, somebody, no, <laughs> turn it off. You know, <laughs> and, you know, I don't necessarily take that as like a review so right. much as like, this isn't really vibing yeah. right now. That is actually interesting, like with kids, how they're like, they're either like so into the music, like music that's being played or they're like, they can't handle it. They're like, just turn it off, you know? Right. Like, I mean, I'll hear music in the background, won't necessarily 
I won't necessarily like be unable to control myself like that. I need them to turn it off. But like, there's something with kids where right they can really clash with them. Right, and I could be like that too. I have to like train myself to to <laughs> to right. be patient. Well, I mean, at a certain point, I had a you know, I mean, most of us go through phases um, where we have our tastes and we have things that we love and things that we really connect to, and then things that we like dismiss or can't stand. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those are just intellectual things because our, you know, somebody told us that this is no good, that we've decided. But I, and I, I think when getting past that, there, I, I, had a, I had a moment, um, it was a certain, I mean, I, there might have been substances involved, but the, <laughs> you, you know, years that ago. That helps with that. Right. Well, well, where I just kind of, it just hit me that music, any music that comes on, mm-hmm. there's somebody in the world that loves this music. Oh, wow. It doesn't matter what it is, and I, I, I like the rand, most random things would come on. I'd be like, "This is amazing." <laughs> it didn't last for for that long, but it, yeah, I, I it stayed stayed with me. Oh my god! The idea of giving any music a chance, or at least appreciating that somebody loves this music, even if you know it's I'm not in the mood for it, or I don't get it, or I feel I feel like it's you know. That's so funny. You just reminded me of this ridiculous story. Um, I was once okay. So me and Rivka were. Oh, this was even before we were dating. This was like one of the... No, this was when we started dating. It was like our second date, and we were driving to Indiana, and I was being really stupid, and there was a guy... Like, there were these this group of... Like, there was this... I don't even remember how this happened, but there was this other car that was, like, on the highway, with, like, next to us, and they were, like, trying to signal us about... Something and I mm-hmm. and and somehow I found out that they were a band and they were trying to sell their CDs <laughs> and through the window I like handed them five bucks or something and got their CD. Okay. And Rivka like I I am amazed that she continued dating me after that. But like anyway, my point being it was really funny. Where I was like, this music must be amazing because it was like this crazy experience. I was like into this magical moment and then we played <laughs> and it was like the it was it was like. It was like noise, you know what I'm saying? Like, and it's not like noise, like when old people complain, like, "Oh, this is like." No, it was like literally like this very. Actually, you know what? It's like the exact music you would expect if you really thought about the kind of band that would sell <laughs> would their drive music, up the- you know. But that what's so in- like it's so interesting to me. I just thinking about that. Like we were just laughing about like how like ridiculous this music was, but then there must you know at least those people loved it, you know, and you could just they loved it so much they were like risking their lives selling it out the door of their car whatever. that's probably why she continued dating you <laughs> I don't think <laughs> she kind of uh gave me a uh she was like don't just don't do that again, please <laughs> I think that's pretty awesome. do you still have that c d i you know what i I think it must be somewhere like we 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 were joking about it though it's got to be somewhere i would love we to didn't, hear it i know it sounds like something i i, I might really i know appreciate. i gotta find it anyway but my but it was so again it was like one of those things where like you mentioning that for some reason i guess it brought it up because i'm like they loved it they loved that music like you could tell they were living it you know well i mean and, a certain a certain level you get to let's say music as noise and mm-hmm. i'm saying that in a good way yeah. where a musician is essentially just you know the, the fine line between music and sound art Mm. And then the fine line between that and just environmental sounds. <laughs> you know <what> I mean, <laughs> I, say, I mean, essentially, that's. I mean, the, the experience of of uh, really experiencing sound. I mean, that's music is is one dimension of the sound world, and essentially, the whole experience of sound, I think, is is musical. And so, mm. 
the mindset of opening one's ears and really hearing the world sounds as a symphony, I think is a certain, is a really great mindset to have. I can't say that I have that all the time, but I, it's, yeah. it's, it crosses over. So when you hear, let's say you're listening to music that you're inspired, you know, one, one way that, that I get into making, creating music is just going straight from listening to something that really inspires me. Mm. But the, often it's, it's just something environmental, mm. um, even city sounds or, or, you know, certainly bird songs or, wow. um, that's so interesting. I mean, it's it's funny because I, um, whenever there's like a, a time period, you know, like the, like the Omer or different things, like uh, where, you know where we can't play music, I'll listen to nature sounds, and mm-hmm. sometimes I'll find myself like continuing to listen to them afterwards because there's yeah there's something rhythmic and and medi- like meditative about it and like recordings and, of nature sounds or yeah you go recording, okay recordings of the nature huh. sounds yeah. Like Amazon rainforest thunderstorm, like that sort of thing. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Like I love it, and it's it's very interesting. Like that, you know, to to, to frame it like that, I guess, is kind of um, an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's an exercise that anyone can do, and I I would I would right. actually prescribe that as a musical exercise. That mm-hmm. um, you know, a person kind of sets aside some time in the day to consciously listen. Um, and there's so many things that a person can listen for. I mean, in, in a musical way, in terms of learning um, as a musician to improve skills as a musician, the main skill of a musician really is hearing, is, mm-hmm. is listening. So I was learning from um, the, the, the podcast that I, I just started that um, I interviewed. I haven't released this episode yet, but the um, this mastering engineer, his name is Scott Hull. He's one of the... Um, you know, legendary mastering engineers. He's, you know, mastered, meaning, you know, essentially engineering the, the final stages of the album. You know, of a lot of, uh, you know, he, he uh, did all, does all the modern Steely Dan and Dalton Fagan albums and Sting and Bruce Springsteen. He did, and, and a lot of other artists cool. use him. And so, and so I got to interview him and he basically shared with me what <laughs> I felt like was like the secret to training to be a mastering engineer mm-hmm. he was basically just prescribing um just taking sitting down and just deep listening every day wow um and he also mentioned you you know you can write things down that you hear and different aspects of the music that you might want to emphasize in your right. creations but i but that i realized that that approach can be applied to anything mm-hmm. um that conscious listening right has a certain uh constructive Quality. I mean, it's it's uh, you know. I, I mean, as a musician, but I, I think any in terms of just a, a good state of mind. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. They say for writers, like to observe like the world around you, and like in a similar way, but more visually, like you know. But I guess also auditorily, like that you, you know, it's just so important that you're like because that that's what will lead to you being able to describe things properly is because you'll you're paying attention to them, you know? right? Thinking, you know, and so this sort of it's interesting because it's 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 not passive. It's it's conscious, like you said, it's conscious listening, like this. Uh, but it's not effortful at the same time. It's kind of like right allowing yourself to experience it. Well, it's the effort of attention, right. and that's one of the. I guess these days that's that's work, yeah. right? Because <laughs> it's so distract. You know, we get so distracted. Yeah. Um, but I think that's it's. 
especially these days, but I think it's it's been like that, this idea of, of a mindful, um, you know, being present, being mindful, you know, really mm-hmm. taking the, the um, living in the moment. Um, I think that that really happens when a person is is really listening to music that they love and they're really involved in it. And a person can choose to be there at any moment, really. Um, I mean, so I think some moments are more challenging than yeah. others for that. But Definitely. So it's interesting. I actually wanted to, earlier you mentioned something about how, I need to remember, uh, oh, basically how you feel like imp- improvisational music, especially with music, it, for you is like, a way to channel something higher, right? So do you feel like, it's something I always kind of was, I'm curious about with you in particular, mm-hmm. that how your, I, I imagine like your religious identity, your Hasidic identity, like these are things that I imagine you feel like you're channeling when you do your art or do your music. That's a, I mean, that's a good question. Um, the idea of, of, what are you channeling? what are you channeling i mean right there's um right there's this idea of of in in Hasidus about channeling um about being a vessel like that all prayer is is just listening hmm. um just listening to this to a song that that's like a a song from that the, the soul is singing a song constantly and we just listen to that wow. so and there are i mean it's it's commonly spoken about in, in among musicians, I mean, this idea of, of just that like deep listening of like listening to something higher, receiving something higher. I don't think it's so clear outside of the Hasidic world exactly what they're listening to. to. <laughs> you know, it's like some ethereal muse. Right. But, in, you know, in Hasidus, I, I, I feel that, that that's a unique contribution of, in, my, in terms of my experience of what Hasidus offers, that it's actually you can get into what exactly are we listening to. We're listening to something that is, um, it's essentially a piece of, of the creator. I mean, it's, it, that's, um, you know, if our souls, I mean, you know, if our souls are, um, we each have these individual souls that, you know, understand Hasidah says they're all really one. Mm-hmm. All Jewish souls are one soul. And we each have a part in it. Mm-hmm. And that, that great soul is singing a song is constantly singing this song. And that song is comprised of all our individual songs. Which, you know, and, and so we, when we, when we pray, or, I mean, I think this could be tapped into at other times, in other activities, mm. we, we can tap into that song. We can listen to it. We can convey that song mm. through the words and the, especially the songs that we create. Um, and it's, uh, it connects us to others. Right? It requires that we feel connected to others. Um, and it, but also reveals this this unity in the world. And I think that's a unique Hasidic, um, you know, that's that's the Alter Rebbe, you know, um, Song of Songs 101, you know, this this idea. So to me, that's like the foundation of of um, of music. I mean, I have it hasn't always been such an easy um, path to resolving some of the seeming contradictions between a religious life, which can seem sometimes kind of rigid and, and um, you know, structured and, and sometimes a challenging, a creatively challenging way, and the idea of, of creative freedom. Mm-hmm. But it's always been my, uh, my interest to resolve those or to at least integrate it, to figure out where they, 
where they kind of meet. And it was this teaching from the Alter Rebbe and the Song of Songs that really, I feel like, is, is the kind of the, the fulcrum of that. Hmm. That's interesting because I guess that's something, I, you know, you can definitely feel that tension existing in, like, Hasidic music, like, you know, uh, like music put out by Hasidim, I mean, um, in the sense that it seems to me like there's a lot that is, like, structured according to, like, you know, like it's, it's certain forms of music, right? And mm-hmm. then the idea seems to me more like we take other forms of music and then we insert, like, Jewish ideas and words into that. Um, and I think it was on Hivriacast that I mentioned, yeah, I was, I was talking to Chloe mm-hmm. last time. I was mentioning how one of the few people that I feel like is kind of has that connection in the music as well. Would is um, oh now the name's escaping me. Um, you know the the Breslov uh, musician Yosef Karduner. Yosef Karduner, yeah. That he, it's like it seems like every aspect of it is is Jewish. You know what I'm right. saying? Like is is his neshama. And so it's interesting because, like I guess the que- like I could see how it gets confusing once you get into the actual music as opposed to. The words you're inserting into it, you know well, what I'm well, saying? Well, he's a, I mean, he's a powerful, he is a powerful neshama, I and mean, I think that's a good way to describe his music. But his music actually, musically, is very influenced by a lot of you know right. non-Jewish folk musics, and you know, right, that's um, for sure. I mean, and and I think one of the reasons why it's it's so good is because he drew, he drew from mm. um, musical traditions that that had some um, weight to them. I mean, I, you know, the the um, that's the integrity of, of I, mean, it, I mean, there's a lot of questions. I mean, I know you and I, we, we've spoken, this is like we've touched the surface of the discussion of like Jewish music or mm. um, what that means or, um, and I've definitely have, have a, a lot of thoughts obviously on, on the, the. So let's just, go deeper. Like, <laughs> um, it's a good without, without, I mean, it, meaning it's, it's, it's so broad that it's, it's almost necessary to, to pick a specific right. aspect of it. But just to this idea of, um, that all music, I mean, I, I, I'll i say something that, that maybe sounds controversial, I don't know, but it, it's, uh, um, I don't think there is anything, such thing as Jewish music, really. Um, meaning everything is world music. It's just like, right. and I mean, everything can be Jewish music. Right, that's... Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like, I mean, there's certain a- areas of the, the musical world which are more conducive mm. to, um, to Kedusha. And certain ones that maybe are more challenging, <laughs> right? But I don't, I don't think any of them are are out of the realm of of holiness. And 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 it's similar to the idea that the land of Israel it didn't start out belonging to the Jewish people, belonged mm-hmm. to non Jewish people, and we we were given it. Mm-hmm. And then that land is very specific, a specific area of the world. But we're told that eventually the whole world will will be be the land of Israel. The whole world will will reflect that that holiness, that kedusha. So same with music, it's it's the music didn't originate as a Jewish thing. I mean, the, in the Torah, the first appearance of music was a you know individual named Yuval, who, according to Rashi, used it for idol worship. I mean, that mm. was the first instance of instrumental music. <laughs> oh wow! So, so that's where that's where we we started. You know, so all music somehow is we have to adopt. You know, as as Jews. I mean, I think this is mm. um, a Jewish journey to begin with. I mean, we we adopt a lot of things and with not just with permission, but with uh, a divine 
mission, you know, to to uh, invite different aspects of the world under the the wings of the Shekhinah, you know, under, under the the unity of Hashem to re, to reveal that. And it's uh, with music. It's I think it's particularly a particular challenge or a particular um, also I think has the biggest payoff because mm. ultimately you know the 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 tendency of um, of Jewish music to to kind of be a little bit. Um, Confu- confusing and or confused even in terms of what it is or, mm-hmm. or what it what it can be. I mean, there's a lot of mm-hmm. very creative people who are who are wrestling with that, or some some are have more. You know, like Joseph Carduner maybe has found a certain groove with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and but essentially, and this was a big came as a big surprise to me um, that I was I was reading in the in the there's you know there's a, a, a Hasidic book of, of music called the uh, Sefer Hanagunim. Mm-hmm. So they, they over there just it describes the history of music from you know the beginning the the place of music in Jewish life, what is Jewish music? It describes theirs and and they say so there's a, there's a some opinions that it was written by the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, but it was certainly published under his auspices. But they what it, what this, the big revelation that came out there for me mm-hmm. was I said before the birth of Hasidus that the the um, partly as um, in the Middle Ages, partly as a response to a lot of the persecution and a lot of the, and also the Shabbatite Svi and a lot of the over-mystical excitement that they clamped down on a lot of mm. very creative behaviors and music became purposefully marginalized and purposefully diminished wow. um, it, among the, the rabbis and among, and, and then it spread to the, the regular Jews. So even at Shabbos tables, it, it was discouraged. Music was considered to be... Um, you know, to decrease in simcha, to decrease in music. And and it all comes along with this idea of decreasing in Kabbalah, decreasing in mysticism. You know, just get that, put that in the box. Like, let, we got to get serious here because we see how far people were led astray um, by Shabbatai Tzvi and similar types of these, like, pseudo-mystical movements that just got people carried away. And music has that potential. I mean, you know, getting too happy has that potential. And you can see why they did that. Wow. But then he said, but then the Baal Shem Tov came and the Baal Shem Tov basically said, it's okay. <laughs> and it's important to be happy. You know, it's like, that's not, don't throw wow. out the baby, you know, just because there's dangers here in mysticism and in, in simcha and in music, um, don't, you know, throw it out. <laughs> it's like, we need to, to find ways to use it. Yeah. I mean, that's, wow. I love that. I mean, and I think that's, I mean, that's like the message of Hasidus in general, right? Is that if something has power, that doesn't necessarily make it evil. It just means that it's like a powerful cleat. Like it has, has something, it, c- it can be used for the negative, it can be used for the positive. Right? That's absolutely so, the message of Hasidus. But what happens yeah, yeah. is you find a lot of Hasidic rabbis and Hasidic, very Hasidic people who uh, reflect that pre-Hasidic view of music. Uh, you know, it's like, in, and how do they do it? Maybe they'll give lip service, oh yeah, music is the pen of the soul. But then, then they'll they'll be like, oh, but be very careful. Don't listen to this. Don't listen to that. You have to be very careful. It's like, and if, if you're not sure where it comes from, don't listen to it. Mm. And that whole approach is, I, I think, is reflective of a pre-Hasidic era. You know, this idea that, that um, you know, ha, you know this, is a whole, this is the only music you should listen to. You should keep your ear, ears pure. And I, I think there is some, um, there's a lot to be said that there's such a thing, there's such a thing as holy music. And, and I definitely admire people who, um, live in that realm and only want to have those influences. But I think musically, 
it is a very narrow world. Mm. Um, and, and if somebody ha- is a musician or of integrity or certainly a musical um, soul of integrity, that then they, 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 there's so much music out there and, and so much... Um, there's, and that music needs to be utilized mm. in, a, in a positive way. You know, it's not necessarily... Um, and obviously the taste of the people listening, the taste of the musician really plays a, a lot of role. I mean, um, just to take a, a pop song and, and slap Jewish lyrics on it is not necessarily the most satisfying, you know, experience. Right. Um, nor is it the best, you know, uh, representation of, of using music for holiness. But take, getting deep, deeply into... Um, a musical practice, mm-hmm. um, and meaning becoming, you know, getting it, uh, developing it to, the, you know, as a skill to the to the highest degree that one can. I, I think has the potential. You know, I see a lot of like songwriters um, or musicians who, let's say, have either a Balchuva background or, or don't. They they're in. They have these very admirable from values, and they're very scared of of really. I've seen this a lot. They 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 you know. They don't want to expose themselves to the, the so-called music of the outside world, mm-hmm. and they try to keep themselves limited to just this or that, and and it's very creatively stifling. And it's all, but it's also that they're not mastering the the world of music. They're not really get you know. So to open and I open up a little bit to hear you know if someone is a let's say a songwriter, and I'm you know this it depends on who the person is obviously, but if a, if a person wants to be, become a good songwriter. So, I mean, a person I think could become a good songwriter just by reading Tehillim and, you know, and learn from that. I mean, I'm sure that, that, that that's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if someone really wants to study the craft of songwriting, there's many great songwriters in the world today and, you know, on record. And a person, you know, obviously some material might, might not be to a person's taste or, or, or at least the, the subject matter might be challenging. So but I don't agree with this subject matter or somehow, but rather than look at it like, well, this is going to be dangerous for me to listen to. If somebody's on a, a mission to become a good songwriter, say, okay, I don't agree with what they're saying here, but there's something to this song. It resonates in a certain way. I want to find out what that is, pull it apart. You know, as, as a writer might with, with really great writing, mm-hmm. you know, if you only read, um, you know, the, whatever you found in, in the Judaica, you know, section on, in English, I mean, first of all, your spelling and grammar might not be so great, right? But, but you're not you're not going to get get to the height of the 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 art of of what a writer can be. Yeah. I mean, I know this is probably I don't know if this is a controversial. I mean, I feel like I'm saying it. It's like this sounds so, so controversial, but I'm not in this company necessarily. But <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, well, I actually think it's a fascinating question because it's like I I've I've been feeling more and more like that. You know, it's interesting because we can talk about form all we want. Like, oh, like you're saying, like, yes, every kind of music can be adapted and be become Jewish and all these things. But I guess when, you know, when I talk, you know, like, and it's this constant theme on this podcast is like, what is Jewish creativity? Like, the more that I think about it and the more that, like, for example, when we talk in, like, we have a Facebook group for the Hevria bloggers and, um, and the more I talk about it with other musicians and artists and all these things, it seems to me like kavana, like intent, is is so important when it comes to that 
like bringing out a feeling of like I've expressed my neshama in this, you know, um, because it's interesting because sometimes I will, you know, there's all these like, for example, with writers, there's all these tricks like how to, you know, you know, like for example, like like there's the technique of like learning to pay attention to the world around you, like we mentioned, but but then there's just this part of like being conscious of this idea that I want to express. I don't want to just express ideas. I don't want to just express um, things that will change people's minds about important ideas. Like even though that's also some like I do op eds, but but there's also like this part of that where you're saying like I want to express my neshama, like the infinite part of myself, and I th- I I feel like you you can tell the difference between people that have that intent and people that don't. Maybe I'm well, being I, a little bit, um, but I know because I think that that affects all of that other stuff. It affects the lyrics. It affects the way they express it. But I mean, intent intent can come without skill. I mean, and, and a, I mean, as somebody who's let's say a, a very on you know a child mm. who has who has an, you know this very pure intent can write words, and the words can be incredibly powerful. A child writing it, um, and if an adult you know writer wishes they could have that purity of expression, mm. but at a certain point, you know, we're not a child, and, and you know, we're a child musician. Also, you, you know, whatever they whatever they play on the piano sounds amazing. Um, just by virtue, it's a child banging on the piano, and there's that <laughs> joy. I mean, and there's something to that. Right. And if I think of an adult, if an adult would channel the spirit of a child, and there are right. certain <laughs> musicians who are like that, right. then that would, you know, and there are writers like e, I mean, um, E. Cummings comes to mind. You know, like mm. where, whereas there's a certain childlike joy that that just comes through. Obviously, there's craft, you know, but for an adult to do that, it, there there needs to be a level of craft. Right. And and what I'm what I guess what I'm saying in terms of, um, you know, there's this idea that you know in sports, you know, you could say, oh, he's great for a Jewish player, you know, it's like <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's the best Jewish basketball player, you know, it's like he's far down in the right. in the pantheon of basketball players, but for a Jewish player, he's like one of the best. And and people apply, you know, apply that to, um. Not as publicly, but, you know, I'm going to make some music. And in the Jewish world, I'm going to be good at playing this form of music. But if they were to go and and go to the best, the masters of that format, it would be a joke. Yeah. You know, because not not because they're they don't have the potential to be great, but because they haven't really paid their dues. They haven't really put in the work to mastering that craft. And ultimately, that's the standard. It's not a Jewish standard. I mean... But yeah, no, I totally hear that. I mean, it's interesting because Ellie Schwabel was on and he mm-hmm. expressed this exact, he actually went through that exact process mm-hmm. like where he felt like he was on top of the world because he was on top of like the Jewish music world or at yeah. least that part of the Jewish music world that he was in. And then he went to, a, I think like a producer who happened to be, I think it was Israeli or something or uh, definitely Jewish guy, but he, the guy was worked with mainstream artists mm-hmm. and all of a sudden he was like, you realize like he, he wasn't a good musician, like relative <laughs> to that the world, you know, and it was like shocking to him and a big wake up call. And, um, yeah, I think there's a lot to that where that culture can affect that. I guess, I guess what I mean, what, what I was saying in terms of intent is that, um, it feels to me like there's, there's these two aspects, like where we need to find, we need to have that skill 
like to be able to express ourselves. But then it's also easy, I think, to get lost in that world just as much as to get lost in like the world of like I'm trying to keep myself pure and make sure I'm only listening to this and expressing that. Like, and I think that's why people like Yosef Karduner are incredibly powerful because he has this ability to be, like you're saying, using like incredibly skillful playing while, or at least a particular kind of music mm-hmm. that he's really good at and also throwing in like this intent that's really powerful. And, um, and so when you say his intent, you mean, I mean, because his intent is specifically, I mean, he's quoting words of, of Torah or, or of Lukuti Maran. I mean, so when he's saying intent, you mean kavanas of, of, of a Kedusha way, I mean, of a, of a yeah, Torah think, thoughts. And is that so what you well, mean by intent? I, I personally wouldn't be that specific. Like, I mm-hmm. would say that he's like, but in his case, that, that was definitely true. Mm-hmm. Like, where he's, he's, he's trying, he's not just trying to do music as music that happens to have Jewish words in it. He's trying to do music that's like coming from, like we were talking about before, channeling like this infinite part, like this, the godly part of himself. Right. So, the, the, I mean, the, the question that, that I think about, you know, is, and really, um, you know, if, if let's say even Yosef Garduna were, were to, I mean, because, because he's singing holy words, mm-hmm. I mean, that, but that's not the only reason why his music is powerful. I mean, imagine right. he were to sing any one of his songs right. or make up a song with, without any words and he's singing, you know, it has a similar effect. Right. Um, so that's, you know, I guess it's hard to measure intent. And, and, and part, also part of the thing, the idea of um, one of the definitions of, of Jewish music that I've heard from, you know, a number of sources, including Sefer and Nagunim, mm-hmm. I've heard it reflected by Menes Friedman, this idea of the difference between the holy music and good music. Mm-hmm. Someone asked, asked the, Friedman what, what, you know, about the harm of, of the difference between Jewish music and secular music and the potential harm of secular music. And interestingly, he didn't answer that harm part, which I, mm. I appreciated, you know, that I, <laughs> I said to my wife, like he didn't answer that part. She's like, he did. By not answering, By not answering it. he yeah. answered it because that, that is, mm-hmm. and that's, but he said, basically there's good music. Mm-hmm. He said, if it's not good, then why even bother listening to it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it's, if you enjoy it. And then there's holy music right. and holy music has, has some sense of, of momentum or transcendence, or, or or it lifts you up. It 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 it's a call to something higher, right. and the, and the challenge that I find with that is that I often experience that with all sorts of music. I mean, it can be. I mean, I I experience experience that with with sometimes sounds in the woods. I mean, I, and I think that right. maybe so. One of the things that that occurred to me that possibly it's not even necessarily in in some cases. Um, the music per se, as the experience, as the experience of the listener, mm. that it, that meaning sometimes this the most innocuous thing can can turn. I mean, in my experience, can make me feel these like uh, or yearnings of tshuva, you know? mm-hmm, right. um, and just like exalted feeling, you know. And I mean, sometimes you know, there's a lot of music that does that, and I wouldn't necessarily classify it as as I def- definitely wouldn't be classified as Jewish music. But what is it? You know, is if if the description, if you know, the kind of the Hasidic description of what Jewish music is, is music that exalts the soul, that 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 mm. you know gives some a, a soul a, a desire to reach higher spiritually, then what? Where do you put that experience? I'm sure I'm sure you've had that experience also mm. with music that's not traditionally Jewish music, but that makes you feel you know that that 
you know, after you listen to the music, you're like, I'm going to Davin. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make my life, I'm going to be a better person now. You know, I'm going to be, you know what I'm yeah. saying? It's really interesting. I was, um, I had two thoughts about that. One of was, what I think is really interesting is that for a lot of, a lot of Bali Chuva, they've had those experiences before they were religious. And that's mm-hmm. part of what drew them. And ironically, sometimes then they can, you know, they, like you're saying, they can kind of lose that. And, right. and then they wonder, like, oh, why am I not feeling as connected? And maybe they don't even realize that, mm-hmm. like, there's this thing that they... But then I was also thinking, um, this is a, about something political, but it's not, the intent is not political. So I, I was at a, a, a protest recently where I danced. For, there was, like, it just happened to be where there was a band that formed, like, okay. spontaneously next to me. And so I happened to, like, dance for most of the protest. And it was like an incredibly powerful experience. It was right after Charlottesville, so I was really, you know, feeling a lot of intense emotions and stuff. And then yesterday, <laughs> I'm only doing this on the podcast. I don't even know if I should write a piece about it. I don't even know if I should tell anybody. But here we are. Go for so, it. So anyway, so I was at a uh, – yesterday I went to this interfaith rally, right? And it was um, in a – I spoke with my rabbi to make sure it was okay. But I, I went because I felt like it would be important. And, you know, it was uh, – in a lot of ways, it was beautiful. It was, the structure of it was beautiful. It was in a universalist church, so I could go in, and there was a, there was an imam who spoke, and an and a, and a orthodox rabbi, and and a reform rabbi, and different different people. And I just felt, I felt nothing. It was it was incredibly boring, <laughs> and it's like it was just really boring. Like and and not just boring. It was it didn't not it, actually. You know what? Boring isn't even the right mm-hmm. word. It was boring, but it didn't feel soulful. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel that. Like and I I, I posted in the Hevria bloggers group privately. I was saying like just just among you guys like just like that day when I danced was like a million times more mm-hmm. of a religious experience to me than this thing that was supposedly a religious event, you know, and, um, and I, I, um, to me, that's really telling, you know, in terms of like the kind of the way you're describing how, what do we get, where where do we get that really holy experience? And maybe the way we define these things in our minds is not as, uh, it's not so clear cut just because something is called religious doesn't mean it's religious. And just because something is, uh, not called religious doesn't mean it isn't. Right. It, it's, hard to, it's hard sometimes to parse out. I mean, but I, I right. think what is clear is that, there, you know, it, it, speaking in, in broader terms about the times that we're living in and, and you know, the, the Hasidic awareness, awareness, especially, you know, the, of the redemption being uh, present and being very near and, and, and what trying to figure out our place in history or just, you know, our place as individuals and what that there's obviously a lot of different paths to take. There's a lot of different ways to be passionate about things. For me personally, um, I feel like music and dancing and the, uh, and this is also what I get from Chassidus as well, um, that joyful experience is the, is most reflective of this world we're, we're trying to usher in. Mm. And there's, you know, Ultimately, you know that's only we're only going to see that when people are finding their bliss, and ultimately, mm. when a, when a, I think it's a high priority. I don't think it's just an optional. I mean, that, that's I think in the Jewish world, music has been marginalized to be like optional to 
um, tolerated to <laughs> kind, kind of like lame, you know, or right. dangerous. Or the, yeah. And, and, and what I discovered, what I was mentioning before, was that that is a pre-Hasidic idea. Right. And so now with Hasidus and, and the, you know, idea of, of the, the Torah of redemption, and it's, it's not just a nice hobby. I think it's, it's actually an obligation to find our, for every individual to find their bliss. I mean, it's not always with music. I mean, but it, it's music, I think, can be very helpful. I mean, I think everybody is musical. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we have a heartbeat, you know, so we have a steady rhythm. You know, we, we have, I mean, we resonate with, um, I mean, even um, people who, who feel like they're not, you know, I, I think that's more nurture. Uh, nurture, yeah, nurture, not nature. I think the nature of people are, are musical and respond to it. And, and however, however a person finds it, I mean, is, it doesn't have to be artistic either. I mean, yeah. but it's, it's, I think it's, it's a high priority that a person says, okay, what is going to not just make me the most happy in like the selfish way, but, but that dovetails with what's going to give me the biggest ability to contribute to the world. My greatest strength, it, I think is parallel to that, which gives a person the most joy. Right. I, I mean, think for a lot of people, Music is a big part of that thing. And a lot of people, you know, kind of... I mean, I think younger people are, are, are much quicker to be like, yeah, of course. But I think they're... They're also they're, given more latitude to do that. You know? Right. So once you get older, at least in the religious world, it's like... But not just in the yeah. religious world. Right, in general. It, there's, yeah. just, there's just tragedy of people who just right. deferred dreams or like, I wished I could have done this. I tried it. It, it didn't, you know. Um, right. But oh, well, you know, as, as opposed to like... Can I can I observe a two year old just dancing with complete abandon and be like, yeah, of course I you know there's a lot of things about a two year old that that I don't want to emulate you know what I mean I know my <laughs> two year old can be very very challenging and you know, he screams like very uh, um, insistently and painfully. Well, that's sometimes. like a you know, that's a breast love thing you know you're supposed to right. Well, that's right or the, uh, the what is it Clausen? Uh, yeah, you got it right. Um, but the but that, but that pure joy is something mm. is so. I think it's it's so um, instructive, right. you know. But you know, it's uh, you know, ultimately, this this. Uh, so the question that I think anybody can ask themselves is how can. I mean, there's always struggles. I mean, world is struggles, and what what we learn in Hasidus that even the Geula has its <laughs> its struggles. You know, it's of a different sort. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, struggles to go out of constraint you know so even if i'm even if i'm doing something very good there's always something beyond uh i, I just ultimately um there's there's like a much broader horizon that uh, i myself also don't always you know i don't have, have such a clue about mm-hmm. all the time you get involved in day-to-day struggles yeah. and and worries and um, and I, I, for me, music reminds me, you know, on a, a daily basis. Um, I mean, Lahavdil, I mean, I'm going to say Lahavdil because I think I believe music is a part of Torah. But I feel like, you know, Brooklyn. To go back to your question at the beginning, what is Brooklyn Jazz Warriors? The warrior part, mm. the Brooklyn part, I think, is obvious. <laughs> Brooklyn, but the warrior part is really. I, I'm realizing this much more and more recently. Like life is tough, you know. Things get tougher and tougher. The more you know, what I mean, the more you get serious about life, you know. Um, for all you know, and and so the weapons are are learning, and the weapons are prayer, and the weapons are music, and that's I, I see the music as as a, a essential tool. It's like my sword, 
to be able, you know, I, I'm going out and fighting a, a battle with, you know, with like zombies or whatever it is, and, and I need I need those weapons or I'm toast. And and you know, I know days that that I've pushed off, you know, I've Facebooked, right. you know, or first thing in the morning and be like, I'm a goner, you know, like that. The the I mean, obviously I can recover. I'm not, you know, um, but I, I I see that in terms of what where I want to be or, or the kind of mindset yeah. that, you know, it's, uh, it's, requ- it's like a required thing at this point for me. It's like, it's not an optional thing. I, I don't, I don't get to, you know, take a couple of days off. Um, and I, and I love it because I, because, you know, it's okay with me cause I love it. If, if the, you know, if the thing that I, um, and that's what I, I try to find in, in my Yiddishkeit also, it's like, I've used music to teach me about how to be a better Jew to be meaning in terms of, being more passionate about the learning, more passionate about the davening. Like if, if I have such a pure and joyful musical experience, um, then how can I apply that, that pure joy to my learning, to my davening? And, and it, it, over time it works, right. you know, not always in the mood for this or that, but like, you know what, when, when this, when it's, if it's a sweet thing for me to pick up a guitar or, or to sit at the drums, you know, that's like a sweet, that is always a sweet experience for me, you know, then why can't it always be experience for me to put on tefillin and to say a capital tehillim, which is basically a, a similar... I mean, I'm, I can sing the tehillim, nobody's stopping me. In fact, <laughs> we're told that if you don't sing it, then maybe you're not really davening also, you know. Oh, wow. yeah. So... That's beautiful. Um, I guess I have thoughts, but I actually think... That was really beautiful. Maybe, I don't know, did you want to play anything? I, I'll play something. Yeah, we yeah. got like... Seven minutes. You can Seven minutes. But we don't have to. You don't have to play the whole time. I'm just saying, got some time, and then we could. Uh... I, can, I can feel so. <laughs> give me, give me a. So what are you gonna do for us? So let's see. Do you have anything okay. planned, well, or are you? You know, so I, we have this album coming out. Um, oh yeah. On September, September 10th. Uh-huh. So we have this is our second album, but it's um, let me just adjust this. Um, it, it's um, the first first time coming out with vinyl. Which is a uh, very exciting for me. Yeah, you know, I grew up on vinyl and I collect it, and you know, just have music and that form. So that I'm excited about. Um, you know, I'm playing piano. The album. I brought a guitar here today, so it's not the same. <laughs> but the song. That's what you know. The, the, there's an element of the the music on the album um, of the band that that's has to do with the skills of the musicians and the arrangements. Um, with the, you know the new album, it's piano, saxophone, uh, upright bass, and drums. Yeah. Um, but also there, there's that element that it's just the songs. I, I hope stand on their own, so I can, you know can play. And by the way, so yeah. we, there's also an event. For your oh, so album right. So, so that that's that was, that was what I, I think about in the same thought. So yeah. right. So we're and uh, so we're sponsored, right? Every sponsoring it, right? Every is running the running event. it, doing it, yeah. Whatever, I don't know. <laughs> and Rivka's yeah is spearheading the, this yeah. this amazing um, after, after party series of events every month. I mean, and you guys are partnering. So on we're, it, we're coordinating really cool. the music at Brooklyn Jazz Warriors. I'm very excited for that, and we're hoping you know this this is going to be kind of classic Brooklyn Jazz Warriors music releasing the album, but in future months, yeah, we've been talking to Rivka about getting into that more improvisatory sound art kind of space which I'm I'm kind of excited about. That's so cool. Um and Ita Roth is gonna be there on September tenth with her food which I'm you know yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop uh eating now just so I can <laughs> <laughs> So people listening, just so you know, it's at Congregation Cole Israel in Brooklyn 
It's going to be on September 10th, right? You said, yeah, uh, it's Sunday. It's it's Sunday night. Sunday night, yeah. So you can find the info on the Hebrea Facebook page, Brooklyn Jazz Warriors Facebook page. But uh, anyway, let's get to the let's get to the good stuff. I just also want to add one more thing that that we all things going on. Um, so yeah. I have a recording studio, a recording label called mm-hmm. Sound Heights Records. And we just launched a pod. We're just launching a podcast. Yeah, called creatively the Sound Heights Records <laughs> podcast. Awesome. Um, so they can so find it where iTunes. That's that's on iTunes, and okay. it's uh, it's all about the conversation of harmonizing life and music. Cool. Um, so, and they can find Brooklyn Jazz Warriors on Facebook. Yeah, that sort of thing. Brooklyn okay. Jazz Warriors is uh, is is out there. Cool. Anything else we should plug? Um, oh, we got you. I mean, it's the, the I don't. know. That's great. Uh, it's a lot. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, well, enough. Enough about Hebrea. Okay. So, all right. So this this is a song we we actually released a video for this song. It's called Subway Station. Mm. So I was thinking about on the way on the way here on the subway. <laughs> so it's a song about um, it's about motivation. It's about freedom. It's everything we talked about. Hopefully, hopefully maybe the. <laughs> the lyrics capture that, so let's see if it... On your own for the first time Holding a cord beside a stream let you go up on the mountain till you disappeared in green. Forge of five, giving birth to a sort of golden twine. Mirror sees me facing her naked river, flowing wine. Somebody told me freedom for you. No longer held such gripping fascination. Why don't you let your old fear slip away? Meet me at the subway station. This helpless day, an empty pile on which I paint. The scenes I see before you like a mist of passing rain. Time takes on the rhythm of an open spinning cage Are you waiting for me, mama? Like a bookmark on a page Will we read that? Freedom for you May once again hold good old fascination Why don't you let your old fear slip away? Meet me at the subway station Brothers drowning in the sea Find hidden shores beneath our feet To step on casually Time 
sometimes stretches on before me, sometimes rolling down the hill. Whatever your impression, I keep on rolling too. You tell me, freedom for you. A pervasive spark of good old fascination. Why don't you let your old fear slip away? Meet me at the subway station. Just had to do it. It's too much fun. That was beautiful. Thanks, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. I, uh, Thank you. I loved it. Loved the lyrics. It was very yeah. It was great. We got to live out what we were just talking about. That was, that was great. Um, yeah. Just uh, so thankful for you for coming for talking, and uh, just got to continue the for ringing. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Of course, my pleasure. I guess we already plugged everything, but we'll just mention one more time. You have your podcast called uh sound heights records sound heights sound heights records we have your event coming up september 10th which is also your album release oh and oh, no, i have to can't forget yeah the event includes uh very importantly yitzhak muli right um is debuting uh this amazing this visualizing um this art visualization where he has these canvases that are mostly white Right. Where you hold up a device to it and you see the color <clears throat> burst out. It's just this incredible Right. Augmented reality. Augmented art. reality, right. So he's yeah. so he that's part of the right. same event. So he's gonna have I guess seven to eight. Right. He's gonna be that show and that's gonna stay up obviously and then right. and the music from eight to whenever. And then after that your album will be out. So be you can buy vinyl, but you can also get an Thank iTunes. Thank you. Yeah, for iTunes listening Spotify, to the um, I'm Aladna Harai. If you'd like to hear more and read more of our work, you can follow us by going to hevria.com or facebook.com slash hevriamag. We've been recording at the Kalal Studios in New York City, and the music that you're hearing is Voice Lessons by Darshan. Thank you so much, and I look forward to seeing and hearing from you again. Kalal, 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 Kalal